starts out so innocently doesn't matter a question here a comment there then if you're not careful you find you have a full-blown insurrection on your hands believe me your people are going to be so angry when they realize you still don't have a plan Hello everyone, Matt here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 406 entitled The Other Woman. This is the 78th hour of the series and there are 43 to go. With that, let's head straight into the Wikipedia summary for this episode. The episode opens with flashbacks to Juliet's life on the island following her recruitment in September 2001 by the others. Juliet has an affair with an other named Goodwin, who is married to therapist Harper Stanhope. Harper discovers the affair and warns Juliet that their leader Ben will punish Goodwin because he has a crush on Juliet. Following the crash of Flight 815, Ben sends Goodwin to infiltrate a group of the surviving passengers. Goodwin is murdered by one of them after they realize he is not a survivor. In October 2004, Ben invites Juliet to what he initially describes as a dinner party, but it is actually a private date. Ben leads Juliet to Goodwin's impaled corpse, where she accuses him of having wanted Goodwin to die. Ben reveals his love for her. On the night of December 24, 2004, three months after the crash of Flight 815, two members of a science team from the Kahana freighter anchored offshore, Daniel and Charlotte, who landed on the island three days earlier with a hidden agenda, sneak off to find the Tempest Station. Juliet and the crash survivor's leader, Jack Shepard, notice their absence from the beach camp and pursue them. After hearing the whispers, Harper seemingly approaches Juliet. She tells her that Daniel and Charlotte intend to kill everyone on the island by deploying a lethal gas at the Tempest, but Ben's orders are for Juliet to kill them. On a trek back to the beach in the morning, Kate encounters Daniel and Charlotte and is knocked unconscious by the latter. Jack and Juliet come across Kate and they split up. Juliet continues to the Tempest alone as Jack mines Kate. Inside the station, Juliet finds Daniel in a hazmat suit at a computer. After a standoff, Daniel and Charlotte convince Juliet that they are not going to kill anyone. They are in fact neutralizing the gas in case Ben decides to use it again as he did 12 years earlier in an others-led purge of Dharma. Jack arrives at the Tempest, and Juliet explains that those on the freighter came to the island to wage war against Ben, and she expects Ben to win. She fears for Jack because Ben thinks that she belongs to him, but Jack shows no worry and kisses her. In the barracks, Ben bargains with John Locke for his freedom. He reveals that Charles Widmore, father of Desmond Hume's girlfriend Penny, owns the freighter and hopes to exploit the island. Ben also tells Locke who his spy on the freighter is, unbeknownst to us, and Ben continues to reside in the barracks following his release. So with that, let's now head to my thoughts about this episode, an episode that uh, I thought I would blast through pretty quickly because it's not considered a, a great one. Uh, it ended up there ended up being more more story there than I had planned, although certainly it's no constant. Uh, but then, what is? Uh, anyhow, the episode opens with a curious previously on lo- Lost, 
which recaps the freighter folk, although it does remind us about those mysterious gas masks. The episode proper starts with a mini Zen garden. The shot opens up to a made-up Juliet waiting in a doctor's office. Uh, it, of course, looks like it's off-island, and that idea is furthered when Dr. Harper enters through a slightly overexposed doorway. This, to, this is to say that the light pours in in order to hide the true location of the, of the setting. Dialogue reveals that, it's, uh, you know, that they're meeting for therapy, which Harper wants to call simply talking. The talk leads towards being here a week and being a celebrity with all eyes on you. Hey, it's a flash forward. Juliet's part of the Oceanic Six. With that, knock, 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 Tom Friendly walks in the door and says Ben would like to see her. Apparently the currently dead Tom and reference to Ben isn't enough for a certain segment of the audience, or at least so thinks the writers, as Harper hammers home, welcome to the island. Dun, dun, dun. That's right. This is an oddly placed flashback episode in the season where they apparently weren't going to be doing flashback episodes. Uh, And I believe the stat is that this is the only true flashback episode in the traditional sense. We have one with me, Kevin Johnson, which is an extended flashback. You know, the episode is one flashback. Uh, then we all, which, I mean, to be fair, I'm, I'm not going to complain that that uh, that's not a flash forward episode. And then there's next week's episode, GE on, uh, which uh, has, of course, the mixed uh, use of flashback and flash forward to to elegant use. So already, I think first time viewers here, you're starting to feel a little bit that this is like, hey, we're going to get old information at old places. What about Oceanic Six? What about how they got there? What about, you know, what about how, you know, what's the deal with Kate's baby? What about who's who gets off? Who are all six, et cetera, et cetera. But say lovey. Back to this episode, though. Ben hands over a new house to Juliet with all the comforts of home, stocked fridge, two bedrooms, opera CDs. She asks aloud why all this is being done for a short six-month stay. We know better, and so does Ben in this kind of wonderful acting moment. There's a momentary pause with him choking on that lie of a six-month stay. Flashback over. Juliet is uh, setting up a lean-to on the beach while Jack discovers that Faraday and Charlotte are missing. Uh, It's a great little moment where Jack is prepared to chastise Jin for watching them go, and then Jin says in English, you said they were friends. So, haha, back to you, Jack. With that, our crew, consisting of uh, Juliet and, uh, and Jack, they head out for a search. Uh, they kind of spread out a bit. Perhaps there are others in that search as well, although we, we certainly don't see from anyone else from the beach for the rest of the episode. Um, but at, at any rate, they spread out. Juliet is alone with a torch in the woods. And with that, the whispers start, and Harper appears, saying, Hello, Juliet. Long time no see. Now, it's a rather incongruous end to the teaser act for first-time viewers. We've only seen Harper in one scene, and she seems nice enough. Uh, We certainly know as first-time viewers that the whispers are are creepy, but can't quite connect them yet to the uh, spirits of those stuck on the island. Now, I guess I'll, I'll actually pause at this moment and just jump ahead to a bit that I got from Wikipedia. It, uh, it was not clear in my memory if uh, Harper had returned at some point. Honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't remember. 
Uh, I certainly, you know, recognize the actress, Andrea Roth, uh, particularly from uh, being in the show Rescue Me. Also, as a side note, uh, this is being recorded in uh, August 2012. The show, uh, the, the J.J. Abrams produced show Revolution, which will be starting uh, in September, which as a further side note, I'll be podcasting about with uh, some of the guys from phgeek.com. You can check out phgeek.com for more information on the forthcoming Revolution podcast. That's not why I bring it up. Uh, Interestingly enough, one of the female, I don't want to say leads, because my understanding is that Revolution is an an ensemble show, but apparently when they shot the pilot, I think, at some point, Andrea Roth, who plays uh, uh, Harper in this episode, she was cast as one of the series regulars for Revolution, uh, and then they recast her who will be playing that part now why elizabeth mitchell herself so just as just as in this episode uh harper is jilted by uh by juliet we also have andrea roth being jilted in uh the shot at you know what will hopefully be a a good and long-running series by none other than elizabeth mitchell again but anyhow let's focus on the characters here i was not clear if we saw harper again uh the certainly the, the the whispers are suggestive of it being the man in black uh we've seen that let's say with uh walt talking to uh to, talking to shannon uh and some of those other bits and pieces where it seems in retrospect which of course is what we're doing here where it seems in retrospect that the the whispers are uh upset at the presence of the man in black or perhaps trying to communicate to the to the living person that the man in black is here or maybe just kind of all a flutter that the man in black is um, getting himself involved that sort of thing but that my so my initial take certainly was well this is this is the man in black here uh let me read to you a bit from wikipedia which says, uh, after Juliet left the others, Harper found her in the jungle to deliver a message allegedly from Ben that Juliet should thwart Charlotte and Daniel's mission at the all costs. Uh, at all costs, according to Harper, the freighter team members were being sent to unleash a uh, type of nerve gas that would kill every person on the island. Harper claimed to be acting under Ben's orders, even though Ben was imprisoned. She then disappeared after Jack and Juliet were uh, distracted by the whispers. Plot recap. Uh, the uh, Wikipedia article goes on to say it was not revealed when and how Harper died or even if she died at all. Other living persons such as Walt have manifested themselves on the island uh, even after being accompanied by the whispers. Now, I would disagree with Wikipedia saying that uh, to my mind, any time that we've seen Walt, it, it uh, has not been Walt. It has been the man in black. And I'll further mention that the Wikipedia entry, well, as I'll keep reading here, it's a bit... Uh, it's a bit well maybe it's not here but it's it certainly is a bit out of date for this episode probably because everyone went over to lostpedia but anyhow um it's also possible says wikipedia that it was the man in black since harper was imploring juliet to stop charlotte and daniel which would have resulted in the gas being released killing off the candidates and then they note definitively harper uh was never seen again either with richard's group of others in 2007 nor at the temple Temple others were massacred by the man in black. It's not known if she was killed there. Join the man in black or is with another group of others safe in the jungle. So with all that in mind, because I, you know, I like 
my own thoughts stand on my own. And if, you know, if I have to get the research, I want to share it. I'm taking this as uh, the man in black kind of helping, you know, helping uh, affect uh, what's going on uh, on the island. And uh, to me, there's kind of no other suggestion, uh, particularly with the fact that she's able to disappear so quick, so quickly, disappear and reappear, and, and also accompanied by the whispers where, where we've seen, uh, you know, where we've seen probable instances of the man in black uh, making himself involved. Anyhow, that ending uh, to the teaser act, with the appearance of, uh, of Harper, Hey Juliet, Long Time No See, it certainly is lacking some oomph, doubly since we don't know why Dan and Charlotte are gone. Now, this is probably in part because the original ending to The Constant, as we discussed last week, was them getting their gas masks together, something that this episode, I think, is kind of subconsciously picking up on, despite the fact that it wasn't shown. Uh, again, I don't think that the gas mask certainly was well in advance of... of uh, the, the final edit of, of the constant that the gas mask bit was removed. I'm just saying that this is them picking up on a thread that, that wasn't there. But anyhow, if you're confused at all, at least after the title card, some things are made crystal clear. What are you doing here? I came to deliver a message from Ben. The two people you're looking for, Faraday and Lewis, they're headed to the Tempest. And if they figure out how to deploy that gas, then everyone on this island is going to die. Why don't you stop them? Because Ben wants you to go. How can Ben possibly know where they are when he's a prisoner? Ben is exactly where he wants to be. How am I supposed to stop them? By pointing the gun and pulling the trigger. Hey! Who are you? I'm an old friend of Juliet's. I just told her where the people you're looking for are headed. Maybe you and your gun can go too. And with that, she's gone. Uh, the first clue that she uh, isn't who she says she is. Again, to me, only adding to the notion that it's uh, Smokey pulling those strings yet again. With that, we flash back to weepy Juliet, having likely lost another patient, which indeed is the case, as we'll learn in the course of the scene. She hears a rustling from the supply room and gasp, it's Goodwin. There's some uh, exposition then about her being there to save pregnant women. Uh, then Goodwin suggests that she talks to someone like, hey, maybe Harper. Juliet then rips into Harper as a hateful, spiteful woman, and in turn, uh, in what is either a clunky or a cute uh, moment of writer flourish, perhaps both, let's reveal that Goodwin is married to Harper. In a rather obvious yet uh, mysterious clue drop, uh, Juliet asks for Goodwin to not tell Harper about the comments, and in turn, Juliet won't tell Goodwin, won't tell anyone, that is, about Goodwin lying about the chemical burn on his arm, a chemical burn that he must have received, that he uh, received at the uh, the power plant station. 
which of course is a neat little way to have Juliet be aware of uh, the true power of the Tempest Station, which comes into play at the end of the episode. Flashback over, Jack and Juliet talk more about the Tempest Station, which is where uh, uh, Charlotte and Daniel are headed, and it also powers the island, and hey, Goodwin said that he worked at a power plant. See, it's all coming together already. Jack demands more answers from uh, Juliet, answers she won't give. Story then moves to the next morning, and there's a, a genuinely tender scene between Dan and Charlotte. He's worried about not being able to handle things, uh, presumably when they get to the Tempest, and Charlotte is really showing some true sympathy and concern and trying to reassure him, while also showing worry on her face. It's, it's just fantastic that they're able to give both characters a chance to be vulnerable, and in a way which is opposite from the faces that they show to the group. You know, kind of the the their professional face that they've shown to to uh, to our heroes thus far. They're able to kind of drop that mask and be themselves. But anyhow, at this point, in an act that's growing long, an exit is required. Just like that, Kate stumbles across them. Charlotte draws her gun, and Dan says it's all okay, and we end the act. After the break, it's a few minutes later. Kate is relaxed and sharing about Miles, and Charlotte spins the web, get it, of the sat phone being dead and in search for fresh batteries. Kate notices a very alive sat phone, complete with its requisite green light sticking out of one of their two pockets, and asks what's in the bags that they are carrying. Kate is allowed to to look, which requires her to bend over and kneel. She sees the gas masks, but is quickly hit in the head, courtesy of Charlotte's gun butt. It's a bit predictable, uh, but, you know, we did need that reminder of the gas masks, didn't we? Uh, With that, we cut back to Jack and Juliet. There's some transitionary talk about Harper, mostly retread. Juliet's therapist, she doesn't want to talk about it. A cute line about all the things Jack doesn't want to talk about being in the file that Juliet read. Juliet mumbles that he wouldn't want to read her file, uh, which is a lovely time to flash back especially away from a scene that accomplished little. Juliet, in the flashback, is looking into a microscope while Ben lovingly looks on. They discuss the baby situation and are interrupted by Goodwin, ostensibly there with an extra sandwich. The reaction shots, particularly from Ben, as well as Giacchino's music, tell us that there's a love triangle afoot. Will do. Ben? No, I'm fine. Did you get all that dramatic, jealous tension there? Anyhow, the story moves to Harper asking about Ben. Uh, this is asking Juliet about Ben. Harper is acidic and pointed, making comments under her breath and accusing Juliet of having an affair with Goodwin. It certainly seems mean at first, uh, but when confronted with the evidence, Juliet buckles. I think that we as an audience are disappointed by her dalliance perhaps because it seems uh, out of character uh, for Juliet. Anyhow, the scene ends with Harper worried about Goodwin being hurt by Ben. Dun, dun, dun. Now, are we at this point thinking back yet to the start of season three, how Goodwin, I guess even back into season two, right? Uh, How Goodwin was sent on a mysterious, dangerous mission from which he didn't return. 
Perhaps we are. If not, they'll make it very clear by the end of the episode. Uh, flashback over. We start with a close-up of a bloody thing. Uh, a wider shot reveals that it's Locke who's butchering an animal of some sort. Uh, a mini mystery that gets solved in the next scene. Uh, Claire being kept largely on the story sidelines, uh, which I guess is kind of indicative for her for basically the rest of the series, including poor old season five, where she's not even a cast member. But uh, anyhow, Claire asks to talk to Miles. Why? Well, she recounts the evils done by our heroes and wonders rhetorically how the freighter folk could possibly see our heroes as hostile. Anyhow, the story moves to Locke delivering uh, Ben a meal. Rabbit, Ben asks. He mumbles a question. Did it have a number on it? Ha ha. Anyhow, Ben needles Locke about being in the leadership position, how heavy lies the crown, how difficult it is, especially with Locke being without a plan. What are you talking about? Well, you're the leader now. I know it's a tough position. You have to deal with all those people constantly second-guessing your decisions. And it always starts out so innocently, doesn't it? A question here, a comment there. Then if you're not careful, you find you have a full-blown insurrection on your hands. Believe me, your people are going to be so angry when they realize you still don't have a plan. And I assume you have a plan. I always have a plan. Does it involve you raising $3.2 million? That's a lot of money. Wait. Maybe this will get you started. Put your laundry and dishes by the door. I can help you, John. We have shared interests. Or at least a common enemy. And that would be our friends on the freighter. Not them. The one they work for. Let me out of here. Give me some semblance of freedom. Let me sleep in a bed and eat with utensils. And I give you my word, I'll tell you everything you want to know about yeah, the person see, who sent there's the There's the problem. I don't trust your word. All right, then. I guess I'll have to show you. There's a good way to end the act, huh? Uh, not only is it fantastic Ben stuff, but it's also a great Locke response. He's not pitching a fit this time. Instead of going for a sort of knowledgeable sarcasm, the likes of which Ben is usually capable. Notice, too, how Locke can't resist, nonetheless, being given little nuggets of guidance. Uh, he's He wants to hate Ben, but also wants Ben's knowledge. He wants to trust Ben this is something that he'll pay for in the end, the end of his life. That, of course, is another season. Uh, back to this episode, we return with Juliet emerging from the sea, like either Aphrodite from Greek antiquity or, from, or, or like Honey Rider from Dr. No. It's a romantic little getaway for her and Goodwin, complete with wine from the submarine. See, it's the past! And references to Goodwin's marriage having been over for a year as well as Ben being smitten by Juliet. The scene ends with Goodwin asking, What's Ben gonna do? Cut to 8.15 breaking up, as we saw in the beginning of Season 3, and Goodwin being sent uh, off to, to infiltrate in the, uh, the, the tail section uh, and these, you know, this dangerous mission. This time, though, almost a la Forrest Gump, 
We have Goodwin looking at Juliet, and Harper coming out to give Juliet an icy stare. These shots have been added to that scene, kind of from the, from the Goodwin and his lady's perspective. It's not particularly the highlight of the episode. Uh, it feels a tad forced, and it's not even kind of in a fun, tongue-in-cheek, well, Nikki and Paolo were always there, right? Sort of way. It just feels shoehorned in. Um, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, the flashback ends with Jack and Juliet on the run to find the freighter folk, and coming across Kate, who's just waking up from her blow on her head. Juliet steps away to go find water, and Jack and Kate swap info, freighter folk on the run, gas masks in tow, and so forth. Jack calls for Juliet, who is gone. Now, this would normally be a great time to take an act break, but instead, the story moves to Ben being brought up to the kitchen by Locke. Ben has Locke retrieve a mysterious uh, VHS tape from a wall safe. It says Red Sox, haha, though we're totally taped over the game. Hey, do you remember that? Anyhow, uh, we see shaky hidden camera footage and get an explanation uh, that we really could have seen coming as first-time viewers. Bits have been hinted in all the way back to the discovery of, uh, of the, uh, the balloon that had the, the real Henry Gale on it, but uh, now we finally get some confirmation. This is Charles Widmore. This is the man whose boat is parked offshore. This is the man that's been trying to find the island. Who's the man in the blindfold? One of my people that had the misfortune to get caught. How does Widmore know about the island? I don't know, but he does. What does he want? John, three months ago in Gainesville, Florida, the Virgin Mary seemed to appear in a patch of mold on the side of an old housing complex. When the word got out, over 5,000 people came to see her face for themselves. You survived an airline crash on this island. One minute you're in a wheelchair, the next minute you're doing jumping jacks. If 5,000 people came out to see a piece of mold, how many people do you think would come here to see you? Charles Whitmore wants to exploit this island and he'll do everything in his power to possess it. Now, a couple of things there. First of all, it is a fair enough uh, explanation uh, for why the island must uh, always be kept a secret. Uh, and even though Ben has the instinct of a baddie, the island always has been a secret. And it seems like it always will be. Uh, of course, Ben is lying a bit by omission saying he has, you know, he doesn't know much about Widmore, it's only in this file, it's that sort of thing. Widmore's own history uh, uh, on the island and his relationship to Ben are, are, are things that, uh, that Ben is simply not sharing at this point. Uh, anyhow, the scene continues with Ben handing over his entire folder on Widmore, facts, guesses, hearsay. Uh, to end the act, Locke asks who the man on the boat is. Ben replies, okay. Yippee, an answer from Lost. But, Ben says, you'll want to sit down. And the act ends, and we don't find out in this episode. Uh, again, it's this odd dichotomy between the obviousness of it being Michael. Maybe, maybe obviousness is a strong word. Michael was always the most likely 
but and that him being the most likely is obvious but then that's counteracted by the show's desire to really stretch the mystery out anyhow after the act break tracker kate jack and toe they're following juliet who's 30 minutes behind charlotte and daniel there's also a bit more info sharing. Kate stayed uh, to find, stayed with Locke to find out if the freighter folk knew she was wanted. Uh, sigh, old news. Anyhow, with that, we cut to Juliet outside the Tempest station, that power plant. Ah, how quickly we get stations now, don't we? Anyhow, Juliet enters, making all the squeaky noise in the world. Uh, she draws a gun, walking in, and flashes back to a private dinner betwixt her and Ben. References made to Zach and Emma, the tail section kids who are adjusting, but still asking about mom back home in L.A. Uh, the dialogue continues as she asks, uh, Juliet does, about how Goodwin is doing after three weeks undercover. Ben grimaces slightly, talks about Goodwin's supposed attraction to Anna Lucia. Okay, we get it. Ben's machinations are to send Goodwin to his death, just like King David sent Bathsheba's husband to the front line. The mov- motivations are the same. Get the girl. To that end, the scene really doesn't do much to advance the plot, which I suppose can be said to a certain degree about this episode. Certainly the flashbacks, I mean, they're interesting, but it's like, it really doesn't do much. Anyhow, flashback over. Back we go to The Tempest. Uh, uh, and a, a nice location where the hallway opens up to the top level of a two-story room, and I think uh, Lostpedia has more on that in a bit. In fact, it does. It's a great little tidbit, now that I remember it. Anyhow, the speakers are, are blaring with warnings while a hazmat-suited figure, who turns out to be Dan, fiddles away on the computer. We have an act break, then the scene continues. Dan says he's trying to make the countermeasures gas inert, and Charlotte sneaks up and a girl fight ensues. The countdown tells us we're a minute away from a gas disaster and the scene becomes frantic and rolling. There's countdowns and a blinky line going higher and higher towards the top of the red part of the box, which all tells us tension, tension, tension. Then we get to the meat and potatoes of this larger conflict. Whatever he's doing, tell him to stop. We're trying to disable it before he can use it against us. Julia. Look me in the eye and tell me you are certain that Benjamin Linus wouldn't use this gas to kill everyone on this island. We know he's used it before. If you want to stop us, you're going to have to shoot us both. Ten seconds to contaminate. Daniel! Yeah, yeah, I'm trying. Come on. Come on. Five. Now, I think that it's it's an excellent point. Uh, it's a great one, in fact. Ben would, would indeed use that gas that you can hear right now, wouldn't he? And from a story point of view, it also serves to push Dan and Charlotte closer to us, the audience. Uh, they are the good guys, trying to protect themselves and their heroes from the very long arm of Ben's type of evil justice. Now, with that, we yawn, flashback to Juliet telling Ben that Jack is a spinal surgeon. Ben is nonplussed because, as things turn out, Goodwin is dead. It becomes a rather grim scene, Goodwin having turned a particular uh, shade of green-gray whilst that stick that killed him is still sticking out of him. 
And just in case you needed to connect the dots between Charlotte's plaintive plea that Ben is the bad guy, this scene confirms it. I guess I should have listened to you. Why are you showing me this? Why did you bring me out here? What, you mean instead of his wife? You knew this would happen. You sent him out here because you knew this would happen. You wanted this. You wanted him to die. Why? Why? You're asking me why? After everything I did to get you here, after everything I've done to keep you here, how can you possibly not understand that you're mine? Emerson's acting here is typical of him. It's amazing. It's stratospheric at its best. It's sneering and sarcastic and controlling and has bubbling up rage. And with that, he leaves her to mourn the body and the flashback ends. Charlotte and Juliet this point uh exit the hatch just as kate and jack arrive kate wants to fight it out but jack says he'll take juliet's word for it with that juliet rather clunkily spells it all out they are here to fight ben these freighter people ben will win jack should run because ben claims ownership over juliet and juliet has feelings for jack <laughs> Jack kisses her, and Jack jokes aside, it feels well-earned, it feels honest, and it feels like a new chapter for the two of them. He knows where to find me. Even that line makes us appreciate Jack all the more. He's acting here like the kind of person that we should all be. The scene then moves to Hurley and Sawyer back at the barracks, playing horseshoes, about to notice a little change. <laughs> bitch! How'd you get so damn good at horseshoes? I don't know. Guess I'm just lucky. They turn to notice the now very free Ben moving back into one of the barracks houses. What the hell are you doing now? See you guys at dinner. It's not the strongest of zinger endings. It's also not particularly bad. I mean, it's a it's a moment to step back and say, "Oh, here's Ben. Uh, you know, nine lives. Here he is back in action." So, for an episode that's not great, it's not a great ending. But uh, it all certainly works out in the end. Anyhow, let's now move on to take a look at the bits and pieces in Lostpedia. Uh, a, a good mix of stuff, particularly this, this last one here. But we'll start with the first one. Uh, we'll do it chronologically. Uh, one of Harper's diplomas has a Hansel Foundation logo on it. Certainly a nice touch. Uh, they also say that Valve BC22 is being set using the computer in the Tempest. BC22 when converted from a hexadecimal number to a decimal number, gives us 48162. So, that's cute, I suppose. 
now, this next bit is about the title of the episode. You might say, well, you know, there's the, the cheating going on, the other woman. Ah, Lostpedia has more to say on the topic. The title of this episode references the fact that Juliet is, number one, the other woman, aside from Harper Stanhope, whom Goodwin is seeing. Number two, the other woman, aside from Kate, whom Jack has feelings for. Number three, the other woman, to Ben, aside from the woman who Juliet, quote, looks like. And number four, a woman who was or is one of the others. Bravo, Lostpedia. That's a fun little point there. Last bit of, uh, of trivia here. The scenes of the Tempest Station were shot at Cooper Battery, a World War II coastal defense gun battery on the south side of Kulau Ranch. I probably just mispronounced that. Kualoa? Let's go with that. Kualoa Ranch. They say that just after filming on October 24th, 2007, fans photographed the settings, which included the new wave-like Dharma logo and a lot of large prehistoric bones and eggs. This led to various rumors, which turned out to be utterly false. The logo was, quote, confirmed by Dark UFO to be that of the orchid, and the bones were thought to be an introduction of dinosaurs on Lost. They turned out just to be remnants of Jurassic Park, which had been shot there as well. So there you go. Sometimes you go down the rabbit hole a bit too much, and what do you find? You find some other movies. Crap. So anyhow, with that, let's look ahead to next week, episode 307, G. Yeon, which uh, I'm always concerned I'm mispronouncing, but that'll be a, a great opportunity for me to brush up my Korean. That is, of course, just a, as, as the all Sun Jin episodes are, just a wonderfully tender, beautiful episode, which of course has its heartbreaking end. Something to discuss next week. After that, meet Kevin Johnson, of course, the, uh, well, the Michael week after that i'll be talking about the lost missing pieces webisodes and then we'll continue on in the home stretch of season four like share feedback best ways to say hello on twitter where i'm looking back lost you can also call the listener line 732-707-1815 you can send an email to looking back at lost at gmail.com or leave a comment on the web page looking back at lost.podbean.com so thank you very much for listening though this was not a fantastic episode uh, I think that we got some good stuff out of it to be sure and I will talk to you all again next week for 407 G.E. take care everybody and bye bye <laughs>